The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Cabinet of Comics. I'm your host, John Cork. With me is mainly always is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. Oh, whoa, is me. Whoa, I mourn, John. I'm mourning the end of the superhero movie. Super, did, it, did you hear? Did you hear? Superhero movies have reached the end. They need to stop making them. We need a break from the superhero movies. So who told you that? Was it the internet? Everyone on the internet, yes. <laughs> There's so many people on the internet. And you know what they say, the internet never lies. Well, because Shazam 2 didn't do well, that's it. Yeah, and yet uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves, made just a little bit more money than Shazam. And yet, that was a hit. Whereas yeah. Shazam was an utter failure. I don't well, understand. It's expectations. You know, uh, Dungeons & Dragons knocked out John Wick, but John Wick doesn't have the pressure that Shazam has on it, which is odd because it's the fourth of these huge Keanu Reeves action blockbusters, and this is the second Zachary Levi, but you put the DC name on it. You remember the first uh, Shazam was a New Line movie, so it was cheap. It didn't look cheap, though. I'll give it. No, a no, but it was a lower budget kind of. It was more. It was like a Venom. It was like it wasn't. It wasn't. Damn the Venom of the DCU. <laughs> look, say what you will about Venom. Those movies made money, and you know what? I find them oddly entertaining. Uh, when 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 uh, the Venom movies got more attention for the post credit sequences than the actual films themselves. Same with the last Morbius film. Well, but, Morbius is god awful. Ah, but apparently they're they're coming out with another one. They're doing the whole Morbius trilogy. It's no. morbid time. It's morbid. They tried to bring that back just because it's morbid time went viral and it bombed again. <laughs> I bought it for ten bucks on iTunes and I <laughs> and I took five for my son. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying ten for it. He was like, I, w- I want to see how bad it is. I was like, you give me five dollars. Oh, so you taught him communism? Is that what you did? No, capitalism. <laughs> it's discounted. <laughs> if it was communism, we would have lined up the first night. <laughs> <laughs> like in the bread lines. <laughs> yeah. I am still uh I'm still working my way through a cold, so I sound uh really cool right now. I sound I sound, I sound like I'm like angry progressive radio. I'm like I'm like Mark Marin on Air America right now. <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, Are you kidding I, me? A motorcade from Florida to Queens? Wow. Who's paying for that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're recording this a little late because I honestly I honestly was knocked out. I did not go to C2E2 this year. I was laid too low. And uh, I was too broke from this move. I was too busy from work and I was too sick to get up. I, I didn't go either. I mean, it would have been nice to go at least one day. Uh, but among many things, I, I'm cat sitting now. So plus mm. I have a special needs cat that needs a lot of supervision. Add to that, 
Uh, I go to C2E2 to shop, essentially. I don't go to the, I don't go to the panels. Uh, you and I, like remember when we did Indiana, Northwest Indiana Comic Con yep. last year, I thought there was a fun little convention where, you know, people had fun. You went, of course, I love going down Artist Alley. That's what I would have done. I would have done a tour of Artist Alley, get caught up with all my friends, and then probably do a little shopping, which like you, I'm a little broke, a little yeah. broke right now to be shopping for stuff, especially since, um, damn it. Now that the the new indie movie is coming out, everyone's marking up how much that, that they're asking for all the those those uh, vintage indie items that were just sitting there for a while. I give it two years, they'll come back down. But but I my card keeps getting charged for indie pre orders. I do know that. Ah, see, I I wait. I know the let's see, Hasbro canceled the pre order for the for the retro figures for me. I never renewed it, which is fine. I ran it. Nor did I. I'll get around to it. But you know, I I got really into those retro Kenner Marvels, and then they canceled the line, and I have a full box. It's the only line I ever kept on card. And when I moved, they went into the attic, and I'm like, ooh, I have the full line, and I'm happy. But I haven't gone up the attic to open them. So when the indies came out, I'm like, well, am I going to do the same thing? Am I going to buy these things and put them in an attic? So I just haven't been that excited to snap them up. Although that Kenner Indiana Jones figure was my favorite figure. And, you know, after I lost him, because I, as a kid, I grew up in Rockaway Beach and I thought three and three quarter figures were fine to bring to the sand. <laughs> and I, I, Bring them all in one plastic shopping bag from Key Food. That's how you bring you. you forget, that's your carrying case. And then you get home and you're like, where's the G.I. Joe doc? Where's Chewbacca? And, there would and, always be casualties. I don't know where Indiana Jones went. Well, you you proved Rene Belloc right. He was buried in the sand, found years later, and probably went on eBay for a lot of money. He was literally $10 in the street. I bury it, it becomes priceless. <laughs> I like my sick, by the way, my sick Belloc is just Bella Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you bury it in the sand and then you dig it up. Ah, oh, it's priceless. I never drink priceless wine. But 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 it would have been nice to go to C2E2. I mean, it, it yeah, would I have do enjoy nice. it. And, you know, I, I've seen some posts. I know uh, Stephen Brown was there. Lisa and Tina were there. I saw their pictures. It looked like it was just as much fun. Uh, Lauren Fates, good friend of ours, was cosplaying. She looked fantastic. And it's like, yeah, I remember, I remember what that's like. It looks like it's as great as it is every year. You know, Chris Evans was there. They had some big guests. Um, but they were also competing with Megacon down in Orlando the same weekend. And I also saw a lot of friends that I knew in the industry and retailers who were like, I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to Orlando. So it's a big con, but that doesn't mean they don't face competition anymore. People aren't getting out of their way. Yeah, and everyone's now, there's always a new con coming up. I know that that was always the issue with C2E2 that there was never like a good open weekend where they could just have it to themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were always bumping up against someone else. And then, oh, then there was a year. Well, the one that almost killed me, uh, the the weekend where it was, it was C2E2 one weekend, and then the following weekend was Star Wars Celebration. And they were like friggin' back to back. And I did them both. And I will never do that again. <laughs> I remember uh, that reminds me. It's going back to like the beginning of New York Comic Con, which is Reed. When Reed started the New York Comic Con, it was the week after Toy Fair, and man, and there were there were a few years I did both. 
like uh, some years I was able to get into Toy Fair. And by that second week, you were seeing the same faces and they were visibly more tired. <laughs> it's a circus, you know, when, um, you know, when I was doing comics for, uh, for the, the bit that I was, I did a lot of cons because my comic company was also a retail shop. So we would, we would hit every con and like sell some silver age books and promote our book. So it was, it really made me realize like the road warrior con mainstays. It's like, it's, it's, it's like being part of a traveling circus, but you're homed on the weekdays, you know, but it is this blur where it's like, I guess it must be, what it's like to be on tour because you're just like what city is this what it's another it's another convention center you know you're here again it uh and it was really fun it was a really cool thing but i also knew a lot of artists that got so sucked into that lifestyle they'd miss their deadlines during the week yeah yeah no yeah because that was for me it was uh, not so much a convention but it was the the convention after the convention, you know, when you went to the yeah. Hilton and you hung out at the bar. Well, it's just three solid days. Right. Cause you, that's when you networked. That's mm. when you, you got face to face with people who only knew you via email or social media. And you right. said, Hey, and then that's when you get, that's when you kind of, that's when you got your gigs, you know, that's when someone said, okay, let's do something. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, even then I'm like, Oh God, I don't have the, I don't have the energy for that anymore. I, I barely have the energy for this anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm 50. I realize uh, I, my day job is going to stay my day job. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. I played a show Saturday and Saturday afternoon. I was like, how the hell am I going to do this? And now we're doing a podcast. And it's always like, how the hell am I going to do this? It's just it's for the fortune and glory, man. Yeah. Fortune, fortune and, glory. and glory. But speaking of fortune and glory, um, you're talking about the death of the comic book uh, movie. Of course, we've been talking a lot about the uh, streaming hitting the wall, and we've had some really good conversations. You and I have had some good conversations, and I had some great conversations with uh, Wally Podrazek and Harry Kasselman. By the way, Wally invited me to his uh, classroom at UIC last week, and it was a lot of fun. Got to talk to um, got to talk to a lot of kids about podcasting, and it was a real sea change this year because. He's invited me for the last four or five years. Most of the time, the kids are like, how do you start a podcast? Where do you upload it? What what kind of microphone do you use? This year, all everyone in that class had a podcast already. Mm. They had all done it. And then it was just like, hey, how do you, how do you keep going week after week? You know, how, how are you lining up your guests? What are you planning to do the next week? How do you make sure the conversation doesn't die down? And it's like, wow, podcasts has come a, come a long way where like people – don't need to be explained what it is anymore, and people don't need to be explained how to do it anymore. Podcasts are the new blogs. I mean, oh yeah, I, I, I had a blog before I had this podcast. I'll yeah. tell you that. I remember when I was working for Red Eye, and and having a blog was the thing. And they talked to you about search engine optimization uh, for Yahoo. Remember when Yahoo yeah. was the big thing, right? Uh, and it was a how do you how do you get your blog going? How do you keep it fresh? What do you keep doing? And now that's yeah. And podcasts, at least, um, there's a there's an element of I think you get more personality out of a podcast than you would out of a blog. Well, because, yeah, if, if you're if you can present, if you're entertaining, then yeah. you know this is way more interesting to do. And also, I think there's a, a lot to be said for the audio podcast. You know, you, we we've done a few video podcasts, but I think there's a lot to be said for I'm going to play this in my car. I'm going to play this as I'm walking to work. 
you know, I'm not going to look at a screen and do this. So, uh, so I think, you know, the same reason that radio continues is, is the reason that audio podcasts will continue. That's how I listen to this podcast. Yeah. Especially yeah. since the, since now again, smart speakers make it so much easier these days. You can, you know, I say it again and again, you can tell your smart speaker to play blada, blada, blada. And there it is. Is there, how is the blada, blada, blada podcast? <laughs> we, we blada, blada, all the good stuff. Are, are they, uh, are they booking? Cause I want to get on the blada, blada podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they got a really good URL. That's good SEO, blada, blada. Yeah, it is, blada, blada. Yeah, I to compete a, with the yada, yada. I leave a tab on my laptop all the time, and it's just it's just running in the background of work. Because If I'm sitting in front of a laptop, what that does is keep me off other websites and keeps me looking at my work at least. Mm-hmm. And lately, I've been all Star Trek, so I've just been finding more and more and more Star Trek podcasts and some really good ones I didn't know about. Oh, by the way, since you bring up Star Trek, did you hear about Terry Metalis? His 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 pitched uh, spinoff from Picard. Well, there's been a lot of talk about Star Trek Legacy, and he yeah. hasn't refuted those claims. But I haven't heard of, that there's been any news on that front. He says, "Well, he says that it, it's an idea, but he even said he doesn't even work for Star Trek anymore. I no. mean, he's not even a producer anymore for them, which is that's crazy." Well, they brought him in for that season yeah, of yeah. Picard. And now Picard is done because Patrick Stewart only wanted to do three seasons. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to convince him to do a season four. But I'm sure that door is wide open if he wants to come back in and pitch, especially with the response it's getting. A lot of a lot of people want to see Star Trek Titan or Star Trek Legacy and you know, bring a lot of these characters back and the new characters. And he's very, very open to it. I, it just it 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 astounds me. Uh, well, I, it astounds me as someone who's worked in comics, where I was man that felt a lot like my last gig, you know, where they bring you in to work on a book for a while, then the book is done, then they, they say, okay, thank you very much. If you've got something else you want to run by us, let us know. But then that's not even assured. I'm like, that happens on all levels. I mean, we're talking whether you're working at a, working for a publisher. Or you're working for a freaking streaming service. Yeah. I think what it is with Picard is remember they shot seasons two and three together. So season three has been finished for over a year. And they've been sitting on it for over a year. And I think um, they didn't know what the response was going to be. So I think they didn't have anything to put Terry on. We now know that there is a Star Trek Fleet Academy show happening. And Tony Newsom is actually going to be one of the writers as well as voicing Mariner. We know there's, there's going to be at least five seasons of Lower Decks and uh, a third season of Strange New Worlds. But we don't have anything set in that Picard, unless you count Lower Decks, but it's so different tonally. Uh, we don't – I think with the huge response people are getting to season three, I think, uh, I think the door is open for Terry to come and pitch. But we're not going to see like 2024 Star Trek Legacy, you know, Captain Shaw and Seven of Nine on the Titan, and that's the season. I think it's going to take more time than that. Oh, definitely, definitely. But look at Strange New Worlds. That spun out of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. And it still took – I mean, we were on Discovery Season 4 before New World, Strange New Worlds came out. Mm -hmm. And and we talked about this on the last podcast that that the folks over there, you know – Kurtzman and and the Paramount folks are being a little more deliberate. They don't want to just churn out a bunch of Star Trek product 
and lose the focus. They really want to say, okay, this is what we're doing here. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And uh, we want to keep from, um, we just want to, they want to keep from overdoing it. So that way we're not mourning the end of Star Trek and how there's too much Star Trek out there. Maybe we need a break from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after Picard, we're getting a little break because I think uh, Lower Decks is not ready to run till at least the summer and Strange New Worlds till the fall. But yeah, but we've been talking so much about how, you know, they're starting to tighten their purse strings on streaming. And and I get it. Uh, I We have been spoiled, especially through the years of COVID. I was watching, I rewatched Sandman last week. Jill had never finished it. So I was like, you know what? We're starting again. I watched it again and my God, it's great. Thank God they brought it back for a second season. Let Netflix just keep bringing it back until he, they finish the DC comics and wrap it up because they're doing a beautiful, beautiful job. But each, I watched that and then I watched the new episode of Mandalorian, which I'm finding entertaining and enjoyable, not necessarily engaging, but I don't have anything against it. But both shows, I was like, God damn the budgets on these things. Mm -hmm. The budgets are massive. I mean, even compared to Picard. The thing about Picard, Picard looks fantastic. It's got an expensive cast, certainly. But I realized the thing about Picard, I'm like, oh, we're on episode eight. We've been on that ship the whole season. Like they haven't beamed down to anything. You know, they go to the bar. They went to the bar in the first episode. Then they put that bar in the holodeck. Like these guys aren't going outside. There's no planets. That's how they're keeping that budget contained. It's like every episode's a bottle show. It looks fantastic, but they're all basically bottle shows. Um, even the wharf story is like, you can tell, you know, that's, that, that's a green screen. So I thought it was the volume. I think start yes. I know Discovery is using the volume, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're using it for Picard. But the just the the amount of detail they're putting in Mandalorian and Sandman, I was like, yeah, this can't last forever. And certainly, we can't have three of these a week forever. You know, the subscription numbers don't bear it out, so we are going to get less stuff. But as long as we get the good stuff, then I'm I'm down for it. Uh, but that being said, part of the reason Disney's had such issues is because they overspent. They way overspent on Disney Plus. They got this huge boost in COVID and they got stars in their eyes. And there was competition. That's been the that's the toughest, that's the most uh, motivating thing you have for the advancement of technology and and for getting customers good things is there always has to be competition. Uh, when you have the monopolies, they get lazy. They give you less and less. Like, is Amazon working really hard to get our dollar? No, they're making stuff cheaper. You know, they're they're charging you more for your access to Prime because there's nobody that challenges them. But when Disney Plus was starting to put out Marvel, they were looking at Netflix. And when Paramount Plus started putting out more Star Trek, they were looking at Disney Plus. And everybody was trying to outspend each other. And I think right now, you know, the lights have come on at the bar and the bills do. So people are starting to pull back. And one of the things you're seeing is there's been a lot of layoffs in the tech industry. But one something I want to talk about is uh, obviously Bob Iger had to come back just to control the spending. They got rid of the CEO. Um, and he's doing a lot of damage control. They're cutting 5% of their workforce, which for Disney is a lot, a lot of jobs. They're cutting $5.5 out of the budget that they spent on Disney plus. And certainly they're not making that back at the box office. But the most surprising thing that happened last week was that Ike Perlmutter, the billionaire 
who ran Marvel is out. They don't want to pay the billionaire anymore. And that's not something you see in, you know, in a, in a pre-Occupy Wall Street world. <laughs> well, he was, if, if I understand correctly, he was trying to, you know, get 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 a little foothold in, on the board of directors, get one of his own guys in there and kind of like, you know, control things at, at the highest, you know, reaches of the whole thing, which, you know, I mean, when you have that kind of money and that kind of control, I can see why. But uh, I don't know. Got to be a, a little more Machiavellian about it. Yeah, well, the thing is, he's never had a good reputation. Mm -hmm. You know, Perlmutter, he's one of those guys behind the scenes. He's not a Stan Lee or a Kevin Feige or a Bill Jemis who you'd see, but his name was around. I mean, this is a guy who bought Marvel as a venture capitalist in the 90s, ran it right into bankruptcy. But that's what he did. Yeah, Yeah, that's what he did. But Marvel pulled themselves out thanks to Marvel, you know, thanks to... uh Things like Heroes Reborn and then Heroes Return and then bringing in Joe Casada, who really turned the operation around. Um, but Perlmutter was there the whole time. And Perlmutter, you know, positioned Bill Jemis, who overs- oversaw this renaissance and then ruined his own reputation uh, and leaving Casada holding the keys to the kingdom. And then Casada's there when, Mar- when Marvel starts putting out its own product. But Perlmutter's there before X-Men, the movie. You know, Perlmutter's, the, Perlmutter's there, like, during the Fox animated series. He oversaw the highs and the lows of Marvel, and no one ever said he was a help. Like, he, he was very much a Mr. Burns-type figure, a nickel-and-diming billionaire who no one liked. You know, he would... There are stories of him fishing paper clips out of the garbage and yelling at the person <laughs> who put it in the garbage. You know, uh, he notoriously wanted to fire Robert Downey Jr. because he was too expensive. This was well into post-Iron Man. You know, uh, Kevin Feige successfully had him removed from the movies because he couldn't get anything greenlit with Perlmutter. Perlmutter was saying everything was too expensive. This guy, the guy has really been kind of known for the worst things Marvel's ever done. And he's managed to just hang around. You know, when Disney bought it, he didn't go away. Uh, and so the fact that they finally got rid of him is, is a little surprising. Well, it doesn't hurt that he didn't have the same kind of stroke that he did before. I mean, at this point, you know, Kevin Feige is is the golden child of yeah. Marvel. Um, they did and, that all took their- a, and that took a while. I mean, Feige was around for the first X-Men, but he didn't start hearing his name until after... You know, after Avengers, I think kind of when they shifted away from Joss Whedon, right. you started to hear Kevin Feige. And then add to that, um, well, I mean, the, the other repercussion of that might be, uh, I'm already hearing that it it's possible that now that uh, Disney is folding in, you know, they, they call Marvel, uh, quote unquote, redundant. Um, I did the air quotes for folks who aren't watching us on video, although you're not posting this video. So I'm not. I'm not <laughs> uh, uh, that uh, the Marvel offices, uh, the New York offices could be going, going away soon because they're going to fold everything into um, the California offices. See, I've heard that's not happening because DC did it and 
DC, Warner Brothers did it to DC, and that was a disaster on every level. From what I've heard, uh, I know there's a lot of speculation, but from what I'm hearing, Marvel, Marvel as a publishing company still makes money. And so they're leaving that alone. But uh, what's going to happen is the merchandising is going to be a little more tightly controlled by Disney. But I've also heard that Disney has a good relationship with Hasbro. So don't expect don't expect Star Wars and Marvel to up and leave anytime soon. Disney doesn't have their own toy manufacturer, you know, so and Hasbro is a big company and Hasbro treats them very well. Hasbro has multiple Disney licenses. So I think as far as a fan goes, we're not going to see too much. I think from an organization, it's going to be like Marvel's going to be Disney comics. You know, they'll use the Marvel name because the Marvel name has equity. But uh, cause, and also Disney comics, you know, nobody's clamoring for more Uncle Scrooge comics. <laughs> you know, Disney comics don't have the name that Marvel has in the industry. I mean, I don't know, because I, I mean, I I certainly don't want to see Marvel publishing go away. I don't certainly don't no, want to I don't want to see it move to California because I, right. I saw how that hurt DC. Yeah, but um, you know, the cynical part of me is like, eh, I can see Disney licensing out now Spider-Man and that whole all those books at some point, you know, to somebody, although poor Dark Horse. I don't think they'll ever see the Star Wars license ever again. <laughs> didn't they get? Didn't they just get it back again? Dark Horse. Yeah, didn't Dark Horse get Star Wars back in like 2019? No, that was a uh, IDW. IDW got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that and that was the strange thing that surprised me because that flies in the face of what I'm saying is like when Star Wars came back to Marvel, it made so much sense. It's like okay, Disney, Disney. But then it went to uh, to IDW, and I know Heather Antos, who was running the the Star Wars comics, is now running the Star Trek comics at IDW. Yeah. And, and they have it's not it's not the main books that Marvel puts out. It's the young readers line, you know, the okay. Star Wars adventures. That's what IDW is doing. But and again, that's more, I would say, up the quote unquote Disney, you know, mm-hmm. they're up their alley because they want to just get. They're always. Marketing to younger kids, younger kids. Yeah. So let's do comics yeah. with little younger kids and boom, bring them along. Well, they've had almost 100 years of, of getting people when they're young and keeping them lifelong fans. So there's no reason to veer off that course. And and when Disney found themselves losing ground, they just started to buy other things that did that. You know, that's why they bought Star Wars and Marvel, because they didn't have a grip on the boys that they did with the Disney princesses. You know, they bought the Muppets because the Muppets – Muppets had a real edge to Gen X and they never figured out how to get it to appeal to a new audience, but they have it. They still have, and they still make content with it. And it, it was not something they could have come up with on their own. And I'm telling you in retrospect, they got Marvel and Lucasfilm for a steal. Oh, they made the money back. Yeah. I mean, the Lucasfilm made back. Yeah. made, Made back most everything that they spent like in that first year. Yeah. You know, for, and, and, and since then, and so when you hear all these people bitching about Kathleen Kennedy and how unsuccessful Star Wars has been under Disney, uh, no, no. If anything, Star Wars has found itself to be way more profitable yeah. um, under the Disney banner with under Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, but again, Marvel, DC, I think combined sold for about uh, 
just under nine million, I think, and nine billion. I'm sorry, uh, to Disney. The WWE just sold for nine point six billion dollars uh, to Endeavor. Uh, they just bought it for nine point six billion. That's that's Marvel and Lucasfilm combined. <laughs> and that's why you can't buy a house. <laughs> When I was a kid, a millionaire meant something. Yeah. But it's like, but it's, but I think the thing was, and this is back to your earlier point about the streaming services, like cutting, cutting budgets, tightening their purse strings, which I understand. Okay. I get that. What I don't get is when you have your HBO Maxes, you know, your Warner Brothers, your Disney's and the like, who, yeah, they're cutting back not only on the new content they're producing, but they're getting rid of a lot of the stuff in their library. Because remember, that's what got everyone to go into Disney+. Plus. I want to be able to see every Disney film on, on here. I don't have to have you know all the VHS tapes or the Blu-rays. They're going to have it all there for me. A freaking HBO Max cut, what, half their Warner Brothers library out. Yep, and, and literally because they didn't want to pay the pennies of royalties on there. I mean, we're we're talking about Disney cutting back, but you know, Warner Brothers Discovery is just is burning it to the ground. You know, they're slashing as hard as they possibly can. Obviously, you know, they're they're you're shelving ninety million dollar movies to make the insurance costs, and they're and they're pulling old Sesame Streets because Gordon's family might get a hundred dollar check next month. And I don't get it. They talk, they, you know, they do. They make these acquisitions and go, oh. Well, that means we're going to have that much more content and it's going to be better for the consumer. And they're like, no, no, we're just going to acquire it. And then we're just going to, again, we're going to pull a pearl mutter and drive it into We're going to just, we're going to harvest all the organs for whatever we can get, mm-hmm. sell off the parts that we don't want, you know, put it away and then, and then go hunting in the, in the garbage cans for uh paper clips. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. And, well, that's the problem when you have to come up with quarterly earnings. You know, the CEO before Bob Iger said, hey, guys, we're going to be down this quarter because we spent a lot on Disney Plus, but we're investing. It's going to come back in the next two years. And they went, OK, OK, you're fired because it's all about what can you do now, which is how we ended up with two Star Wars movies a year. You know, they like they this was a franchise that was built to be a special event. Every three years, even when Lucas brought it back for the prequels, it was three years there was a break in between. You cannot do that to modern stockholders. You cannot say we have this we have this brand that we're not going to do anything with next year or the year after. People are not patient enough, and that that's part of the problem. And it's also this whole twisted sense of capitalism. I mean, I will never understand. If a company makes, let's say, four billion in profit one year, and then they make three point eight billion the following year, suddenly, oh my God, this company's in trouble. They still made billions of dollars. No, you know, you know well, yeah. All that's... they can do is all they want is more. Even if they make just as much as they did the previous year, oh no, that's not good enough. It has to constantly expand. Which, theoretically speaking, as an economist, I don't know how that's even possible well it doesn't make sense because eventually you hit the wall of demand and then you get to the point where we are now where you hit the wall of resources yeah 
That's why we have environmental problems is because because the earth can't sustain all of this production. No. And, and then people you have, don't want it. It's like that. Uh, it's like that. Uh, that uh, uh, Austin Powers. I don't know if it was the second or the third one where Dr. Evil is asking JFK, played by Tim Robbins at that point, mm. for he wants $1 billion. And, and JFK laughs at him. He goes, there isn't even that much money in the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was exactly. the 60s. But still, it's a, it, these, these, they have this strange idea that you must always make more. It, yeah. it has there's, to make more. There's, there's got to be – I wish contentment would come back. I, You know, like that – I feel like contentment is a word that would save us all. It's like if everybody had the ability – and I don't know that human beings are good at it, number one. But certainly as a culture in the last 50 years, it's been bred out. But for us to go like, yeah, I like what I got. No, oh, this is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this stuff. This stuff is good. It's uh, everything driving to more, 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 more. And we're seeing that. We're seeing the diminishing returns. It's like, oh my god, we got Star Wars for four billion dollars, and yeah, they made that money back. But then each thing was making less because they were rushing it out and rushing it out and rushing it out. I mean, you look at the problems with you know Solo and Rogue One were. Comp- were like stripped apart and put back together at the last minute just to, to make that release date. And then people were like, eh, after they've seen a couple, they're like, eh, maybe I don't want to see Rise of Skywalker. And add to that. And the sky is falling. Right. Yeah. And add to that freaking fandom, which, as we've already said, has been spoiled. And it's the whole, oh, well, yeah. I don't, it's the whole, I don't like what they're doing, but I need more of it. And it better be good. But if it's not good, I'm not going to like it. Maybe they need to stop giving me so much of this crap. I'm like, uh, what do you want, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's the sports mentality that bothers me about, about fandom, about entertainment fandom. It's like, my team's got to win or my team sucks. <laughs> yep. My team, my team has to win the World Series every year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, now we have to make Avengers Endgame all the time now. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not, again, not sustainable. It's like Marvel's been making quality things, but but they're not going to make another Endgame. You know what? They, they kind of made one with Spider-Man, and that was a huge, huge hit. But it's like, does everything have to be? Well, and uh, God damn it, that brings us back to the, the comic companies. It's like, does everything have to be a crossover event? I guess so. That's that. Remember, we we've we we have talked about that. Why in the films, comic fans demand the big epic, high stakes. I need to know everything. Even though, you know, we just had uh, Quantum Mania come out, and the biggest complaint about that film was how quote unquote low stakes it was. Yeah, it was a huge goddamn movie. Yeah, Uh, and comic book writer, uh, the comic book readers were like, oh, will you please stop it with all the events? Can you just give me the story and a comic that I like, you know? Give me the low stakes. I don't need to know everything. I don't mind a, a, a comic where it's just Peter Parker talking about his his trouble at work, and he's got the flu, and now the rhino is trying to rob a bank, and he's got to fight the rhino with the flu. <laughs> Remember that? I used to love those issues. That's why I'm here. My problem is... <laughs> I, I will say, my problem is Marvel does do that, but the thing is, they give me three Spider-Man comics a week, and one of them has that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I this is really, you know, old fan, you know, griping and complaining. 
might as well say I miss VHS tapes that you had to rewind. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I miss the monthly comic. I miss, I, I I miss the single monthly comic, which I know hasn't even been a thing since the seventies, but it's like, I I miss getting Spider-Man reading that 25 pages. And now I got to wait 30 days to read more Spider-Man. And when I was a kid, I would read that issue again and again and again and again. And now if I buy a trade paperback of issues from the 80s, man, I know every word balloon on that page. I know every panel on that page. And you show me last month's Spider-Man and it might as well be a brand new comic because I read it in five minutes, bagged and boarded it and put it away. Mm. You know, and and yeah, obviously I'm not 12, you know. When I was 12, I, you know, I got home from school at three o'clock, did my homework, and then I had the whole day to read that comic book over and over again. But it was also scarcity. Scarcity brings up value, and that's supply and demand right there. You know, why are why are golden age comics so expensive? Because they're not making them. You know? I've just it's it's funny because I was just I get the press releases from Marvel, um, what the new events are. I'll get the teasers. I'll get the, uh, the, all the variant covers that they're putting, they're putting out. And I sit there and I go, Oh man, if I were a reader right now, I would be like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's coming, what's going. Um, I guess this is supposed to keep me interested, you know, to this point. And, and, and even when you consider, uh, the continuity. Remember, remember when X Men comics had the problem that their continuity was so freaking mm. dense and convoluted that you just and you couldn't... had to read every book every month. Like every Marvel title's like that now. Yeah, every one of them is like that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I read is Spider Man, and I am assuming three times a year I'm not going to know what the hell's going on because it's going to be uh, it, because oh we're going into this event now, which is an Iron Man event where Iron Man fights the Inhumans, but we got the Spider Man issue. And, you know, I'm not going to have a hole in my collection, so I'm just going to be confused for 20 pages and then put it away. Like, that's the only way I can get through it. You know, I I don't recognize most of the books anymore. And, and God, man, I sound like an old man. But, you know, like I, <laughs> like I was reading Hickman's X-Men, and now I can't understand X-Men. That was like a year ago. The point, though, you just dropped it there is just, yeah, 20 pages. I remember when when DC cut back to 20 pages and C.B. Sobolski took a shot saying, oh, how can DC do that? You know, they're robbing their readers and their talent from the whole thing. But no, over here at Marvel, we're sticking to 22. And next thing you know. Yeah. I'll never forget DC's holding the line at 299. They gave out free posters to C2E2 for that. And then six months later was 399. Yeah. And what's the average price of a comic book now? I think three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Yeah, I'm I, I'm guessing, and you know, I mean, we can talk about inflation and capitalism till the cows come home, but uh, uh, you know, I I I do remember having coins in my pocket, and those were my comics. I used to steal the quarters off my dad's desk and buy comics with them. Quarter. You know how many quarters I'd have to <laughs> <laughs> these days. First of all, he's a retiree, and <laughs> he's. 800 miles away so it's very hard to steal quarters on his desk and it'd be really sad you're stealing from your dad yeah yeah (laughs) i make more than he does now (laughs) you know he's on a 401 he's on a pension (laughs) but yeah but just 
I'd have to take a roll of quarters to get a comic. I mean, you you know, uh, certainly, you know, an action figure is twenty five dollars. Those Indiana Jones action figures we're talking about, like my pre order went went through, and I'm like, okay, that's a hundred dollars out of my account. Wait, but you got the five? I'm getting the five, yeah. But I thought there was one hundred twenty five. I was rounding down. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> yeah. the one thing that's keeping me from getting all five. I really want that arc, that build an arc. I really, no. really want it, but I'm like, man, that's 125 bucks. I can go to something else. But here, here's the question. How much will it be next year? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I'll do without. Yeah. I was watching, I was watching um, Scott Needlick's YouTube page, Spectre Creative and Scott Needlick used to run the DC and the He-Man lines at Mattel. So he's got a really good beat on like how the industry works. And he did an Indiana Jones video yesterday about like, hey, these are new toys that are coming out in Indiana, in Indiana Jones. And he just kept saying, he's like, he's like, we'll get, he's like, we're going to get all this stuff this year. This is a movie year. This is not an evergreen line. And he just kept saying it over and over again. I'm like, yeah, nobody expects the Indiana Jones line to continue for two or three years. Mm-hmm. It's like, now is your window. Look at Crystal Skull. There was a shitload of stuff. The next year, nothing. Yep. And I'm still kicking myself for not getting that race to Akator game. There you go. Because there's yeah. a lot of stuff I saw on the clearance rack. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, I can get that now. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all gone. Um, I I lost stuff that went that was $100 later. Oh, and I was, like, I was like, why isn't this figure in this bin that I bought for six? You know? Well... Uh, to bring it back to, well, Ike Perlmutter, yeah, and Marvel, the, the billionaire who couldn't have enough. <laughs> uh, and again, it's back back to again us as a as fandom and what the things that we want and we're not happy with. Um, my my question is, what? Where does this end? I mean, are we going to need to see, like? I, I hate to say this, but are we going to need to see like an implosion in the films like we saw with the comics over time? We may. I mean, well, I think we're getting to the point now where we're seeing diminishing returns in terms of box office and and the expectations are just so high that, you know, we're complaining about every Marvel movie for not being an endgame. We're complaining every Marvel movie for not making a billion dollars. That's not sustainable. And streaming was supposed to be the stopgap of that streaming. The idea was that the movies were going to be the big monthly series and the crossover events. Streaming was going to be the limited series, you know, the vision and the Scarlet witch get a six issue limited series because they can't sustain a monthly. That was the idea for Disney plus WandaVision could not be in theaters. Nobody would go to it. So let's put it on TV, but now it's ramping up, ramping up. I saw the, uh, the trailer for secret invasion today. And it's like, it's going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. show. They didn't show any other characters but S.H.I.E.L.D. And I, and I was like, oh my god, 10 years ago, we got an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. network show. And this thing just mopped the floor with that. Yeah. Well, it was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show with a CW budget. I mean... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, that, and that's the thing, is that that's what we expected. Like, we expected, oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be, you know, like Buffy, because Joss Whedon was creating it. But now here comes a secretive agent show that has a movie budget, mm-hmm. you know, that stars Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And okay, and then so and then, but everything else, right, has been pretty much pushed back. I mean, we're even seeing yeah, that with we're the, slowing down. That that's all they can do. They can't they can't get make these things cheaper because fans will revolt. But what they can do is just slow them down, just delay them. Okay, we're not going to have two shows a week. You know, like right right now we have uh, Mandalorian. We don't have any Marvel, which I think is probably good because you know the the Venn diagram of Marvel and Star Wars fans is a circle. Yeah, I, well, they did. They've done that before, though. I remember you would always have a Marvel show, and then once that Marvel show went off, then the Star Wars show would come in, and that would run for a bit. And then when that was gone, the Marvel show would yeah. come back. Which is, I think, you know, is smart. You're right. It, it is. They're, they're the same audience. Um, I'm telling you, I'm having a hell of a time now. Freaking um, Apple TV now keeps throwing Ted Lasso up like a day early. Mm, that's, yeah. that's throwing off my, my viewing my viewing schedule. I'm like, okay, okay, hold on. Keeping up with all these things. Because, oh, yeah. I am getting so freaking tired of all the spoilers that come out the moment the show is freaking mm-hmm. up. It's like, um, I don't see it for the Picard, but God damn, if it's not. They've been really good about Picard and Picard has had some massive, massive spoilers. Star Trek fans are nicer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man. but, but yeah, I can't, I can't keep up like this, this weekend, this weekend I was like, Oh, I was just want to sit on the couch and get better. I'm like, what do you want to watch? And Jill like threw three shows at me that I didn't, I never heard of. And she's like, oh, we should watch the big door prize with Chris O'Dowd. And then we should watch Unhinged with Rob Lowe. And then we, and I'm like, I can't, I can't get used to more premises and more characters right now. I'm like, I I can't start. And she's like, you got to see the Giancarlo Esposito uh, Netflix series where every episode is the same thing, but it's a different angle. And I'm like, we just finished last of us. I I, (laughs) like, like I, I just want to put on 90 Simpsons. That's like my rebellion. That's your, your comfort food. I get that. That's like when I want to watch, when I just, I, I, there are a ton of new things I could watch. I just want to throw up the West Wing. I just want to watch another episode of the West Wing. Yeah. Speaking of, by the way, that Rob Lowe show, though, is pretty good. Is I've been, it? I've been watching it. I've been having fun with it. I it's, do like Rob Lowe. It's, it's kind of smart. It's pretty smart. Um, mm. And it's... Um, I mean, he can do comedy really well, but you can tell they've got some really smart writers on the show. Yeah, yeah he really he, he really came into his own for me on Parks and Rec. I know he was great on West Wing, but Parks and Rec is when he, I think he owned his persona as like just way too intense, positive guy. Oh, my, my favorite is the, the funnier die they did where um, the Parks and Rec uh, uh, the Parks and Rec cast are you know they're toasting coming back for the next season mm-hmm. and rob lou walks in and goes what are you all doing here oh we're gonna be coming back next season what do you mean we're coming back you mean we haven't been on you mean you mean this and he points at his own face has it been on tv <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny yeah now there there is there is so there is so much stuff and it's it's um i, I miss waiting for things you know like i I bought some omnibuses last week and usually, and I usually I'd be like all excited about them, but there was a 60% off sale. And I was like, okay, here's three omnibuses that I meant to get. And they showed up and I'm like, well, here they are. And I looked at them (laughs) and I'm like, these are great. They're beautiful print jobs. They're books I needed. They're books I don't have in another version. And, uh, 
I'll have time to read like a third of one of them. <laughs> like <laughs> I read once I read a, uh, I'll tell you exactly what I read. I, I got Wolverine omnibus three and I read the Sam Keith Marvel comics Presents story that introduced cyber because I never read it. And I went, ah, and then I put that book on the shelf. <laughs> I got the Mark Wade flash and I'm like, yeah, I read the Mark Wade flash. It, you know, the Indiana Jones toys, these guys, we've been talking about this. These guys have been like haranguing Target employees. Oh my God. And, yeah. And and posting like finally. And I'm like, I have a pre-order with Hasbro Pulse. And I I always want it to come after the next paycheck. That's yeah. like my goal now. I'm like, if it comes next Friday, then the next paycheck pays for this. I'm like, I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I went to a Target because I was next to it. I walked down the toy aisle. I was like, they don't have them. And I walked right out. Yeah, like I, you know, it could but be have, age, but man, I don't, I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy for this when there's so much else going on. Yes, yes, and again, it's I'm, I'm I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like, oh, but you get it, you get it. You're like, ah, oh, okay. That's that's like, uh, like that episode of The Simpsons where, where uh, uh, a guy really wants that last uh, Mc, the 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 crusty burger version of the McRib. Yeah, crusty or whatever. And he goes, oh, I'll give you, I'll give you my Maserati for the for the for my for the McRib, and and yeah. Homer says, I'll take it. And then you know he drives off of the guy's Maserati, and the guy eats the McRib, and he goes, Oh, I have the buyer's remorse. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching an old Malcolm in the Middle where Dewey was watching a commercial with like, there was like a blue elephant and it was speaking right to him, like in his vision. And it was like, you have to buy me or your parents don't love you. Why haven't you bought me? Yes. And he's like, I know, I know. And he's, and then he's like, you know, he's like screaming, screaming. And at the very end, he, they give it to him. And he's like, and he looks at it. The dog goes, break me. He goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it said to him. That, my friends, is capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Want it's about wanting; it's not about having. Oh my God, man! I, I, you say I say that as I look at my collection of my my growing collection of Indiana Jones props mm -hmm. right now. Which, trust me, yeah. I love them to death. But I'm like, yeah. Once I get those Sankara stones, that might be it. Oh, that may be a Dial of Destiny. Yeah, there's always something. Like right now I'm looking at, because I'm in a new house, I'm just looking at walls going, there needs to be a shelf there. And, <laughs> I, and I need to have the four horsemen of the apocalypse and they haven't made three of them yet. <laughs> and over there needs to be the age of apocalypse, but I sold those guys. So maybe I need to get them back. back. You know, you the only saving grace is my my collection. And your, I know yours is like this. My collection goes back so far and there's so much stuff that there's a chance I'll find something that I forgot I have. And it's like getting something new. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Although I got to find the stuff that the raccoon didn't get into because it was sitting in my garage. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I lived in a house that flooded all the time. There were a lot of stuff that just went away. You'll see. Yeah. So, uh, so speaking of new stuff, do you have a greatest thing in the world this week? Well, I will say, um, uh, Unstable, starring Rob Lowe and his son. Uh, it's fun. It's just a fun show. And um, I've been enjoying it because I've been listening to the Rob Lowe podcast and he wouldn't stop talking about it. Oh, literally. Literally. Yeah. And it's it's a, it, you know, I've, I am a Rob Lowe fan. I've been a fan of his since the West Wing. 
And I know I, I just read his um, autobiography and because I wanted to get the, the real scoop, the skinny on why he ended up leaving the West Wing. You know, it, oh, he heard, left early? He left after the fourth season, the oh. same season that Aaron Sorkin left. Oh, so he left with Aaron Sorkin. But it was, no, it was essentially, um, they weren't paying him enough to be on the show. Mm. And I mean, at first I thought, it can't be because of money. No, it was because of money. It's just, uh, but the way he explains it, it made sense. I'm like, oh, I get that. Um, but um, he leaves it to the very last chapter of the book to finally talk about the West Wing. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. And then, so he talks about Park and Rec, Parks and Rec before. He talks about everything, yeah. Wow. And then he gets to the, and he talks about Parks and Rec on, um, on his podcast, too. Did you know that uh, the episode where Chris Traeger gets sick and he looks in the mirror and goes, stop pooping? Yes. He goes, that was an ad lib. He came up with that. That's his own ad lib. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. good. But um, yeah, but the show is is fun. I like it. I enjoy it. Um, If if you're afraid that he's trying to make Elon Musk look good. No, it's not like that. This character he plays on on Unstable is way more, way more brilliant than Elon Musk. Um, He's kind of actually when I think about it, he's kind of like a. If for a West Wing fanatic, he's kind of like if you took Sam Seaborn and President Bartlett and mashed them together and then gave them like, you know, serious personality quirks because mm-hmm. he's a brilliant guy and he likes, you know, he wants to be inspirational and he even has a lot of the same speech patterns as he did. You can tell uh, that Lowe loves that rapid fire, you know, dialogue from his West Wing days. Yeah. So he wants to do that. Um, but so um, I mean, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I have fun. I've, and I'm, I'm slowly, I'm not binging it. I'm, I'm going to watch an episode now. Then I'll get another episode later and another episode later. Can you believe I actually waited three days to watch the last Picard? No, <laughs> I actually waited till the weekend. Can you well, believe that? Oh my, that? no, I was, I was amazed. I waited till lunch. <laughs> No, because I'm like, we're getting near the end. It's like we're already yeah. – and I'm like, oh, no, I can't rush. I don't want to rush through this. And that it's last like, episode is just starting to pull the threads together where you really know, oh, we're getting to the end because yep. we're, we're we're finishing act two. Yep, and like, they're going, oh, man. And once it's done, it's done. So I'm like, okay, yeah. it's a nice meal. I want to savor it. I don't want to just you know scarf it down. I'm gonna, I want to watch it at a time and I can really sit down and appreciate it. And go with it, da, da, da. and that's what I'm gonna do right now with these shows. Um, I'm gonna go right now. The only thing I can't hold off on right now is Ted Lasso. I need to watch, but I also always I always rewatch those shows. Like I'll rewatch the whole three seasons again. I'm already been. Mm. I'm already planning a binge watch of all three seasons when the when the third season. See, comes. I really watch Picard. I end up watching those like two, three times in a week just because I'm just so geared into it. But they're people, long. Those episodes are longer, though. At least with Ted Lasso, it's a half hour. Yeah, it's like forty something minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. It's usually like it's usually like I'm eating lunch, and it's like I'm gonna yeah. watch something card again. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep things to to Star Trek. Uh, I'm really excited uh, that the podcast Star Trek: The Pod Directive is back, um, which is an official Star Trek podcast. But they took a long break. They took like a year break. But what uh there's a lot of star trek podcasts i listen to and there's some really good ones i mean uh, i've been a big fan of mission log and john champion's been on the show and uh i was just listening to star trek the next conversation with matt myra 
obviously like the things Will Wheaton is doing on the Ready Room. There's a lot of really good Star Trek content out there. But what I love about the Pod Directive is that it's Paul F. Tompkins and Tony Newsom. And uh, Paul F. Tompkins is the king of podcasts. If, if Paul F. Tompkins does a podcast or is on a podcast, you know it's going to be really good. And he's a comedian I've loved since uh, at least Mr. Show. And Tony Newsom is uh, the voice of Mariner on Lower Decks. And she's a writer now on Starfleet Academy. But they are both improv people. So it moves so fast and it's so funny. And if you want to see how good they are, go back to last year's Star Trek Day. Because they hosted the whole day and there were nothing but technical problems. Like guests didn't come out on time. Clips didn't run right. Like nobody was getting the cues to come out. There was so much awkward dead air and the two of them rolled and rolled and rolled. And I'm like, this is why you get improv people to host things because they're like, Oh, here's a problem. Let's just jump right in and start doing a bit about this. And that's the way they do the podcast. Uh, the first episode, they talk to Jonathan Frakes. Oh, wow. So if you want to, and you know, Frakes is a great rock on tour. Like, I wish I loved life the way Jonathan Frakes does. The dude's got such – he's been able to – I mean, let's be honest. The dude almost – he's almost Shatner level with with his reinvention. You know, I mean – Yeah, but in a more intelligent way because, yeah, he, yeah. because he's become this director. He He's become an internet meme, but he hasn't become a caricature. Like he right. leans into the big jovial – but he's still he's still sharp. He's real smart. He's not like he's not playing goofy, you know. Like Sh- Shatner plays to whatever the spotlight is. Well, Frakes is Frakes ever, brings the gravity. But have you ever ordered a meal and not left a tip? You know the unsolved mysteries thing that he'd always do. You know, like yeah, yeah, you sit there, they string all those together. I'm like, oh, uh, those those supercuts of him saying yes and no. <laughs> yeah, just the whole uh, no. the guy no has way. he has not only no. that but of course the Riker. The Riker maneuver when you go yep. sit in a chair. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I'm trying to think who else appro- who else has that level of meme meme fame. Um, uh, Office Space. Uh, it'd be really great if you would. Jim. Uh, uh, Dwight. Sorry? Jim. Yeah, oh. but the the actor who plays um the the boss on Office Space. He's been in a million things, and I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Office Space, not The Office. Oh, yes, of course. He was in. Uh, he was in Veep. He was in Veep. He was. He was a freaking vice president in um in the West Wing at one point. Yes. Uh, so, hang, hang, I'm looking this up because I, I, I'm Gary ashamed. Cole. Gary Cole. Gary Cole, great actor. I I remember he did this horror show on CBS in the '90s. Mm-hmm. American Gothic was the first thing I noticed. I mean, he's exactly. a big part. Of, big part of Harvey Birdman. He's a guy mm-hmm. that just works great voice he's in um talladega nights he's yeah. in talladega nights and how many memes have been made with him i mean yeah, i remember just... i asked him once on um on um on a, a wgn radio we were talking we were doing an interview with him and i go well, what's it like being in so many memes can you believe he wasn't even aware of it he did he doesn't know the number of memes that have been made with him now either he's really that like doesn't give a shit about the internet or he was lying. In either case, I bought it. <laughs> like, That's a great actor. I believed him when he said he, he wasn't even aware. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you want to hear uh, really pure freaks, if you want want to hear him like bouncing around, and it reminds me there was a 
I think it was called the captain's table. I found it on YouTube, but it was a, an extra on a DVD commentary. And uh, Bill Monroe and I watched it. It was a big part of the show. It hosted the Strokecast. And it was, it was the captains and their first officers. So it was Shatner, Nimoy, Patrick Stewart, and Frakes. And man, was Shatner the odd man out. <laughs> wow. He was that guy like trying to keep up, you know, <laughs> you, know like, you know, when like, when you get like a, a group, when you, uh, this would happen to me in comedy, but it would also happen to me with like nerd rules where like everybody's like moving at this high level and somebody comes in at like the remedial level and tries to join in and just, <laughs> and just, you know what I'm talking about? And just implodes the conversation oh, again yeah. and again. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. I got it. And then you pick up the pieces and put it back together and make them feel included. There's an hour of that. Oh, wow. Maybe I should watch that so I won't feel so bad about how things would go with me in my second city classes. There you go. <laughs> I once had an instructor say, get your hands out of your pockets. Otherwise, you're just hands in your pockets, man. <laughs> oh, I, I, I once... Uh... In my improv one class, I once said one line and the teacher went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's how, that's when I knew I was not, I, it was a stand-up was going to give me more dividends than improv. Yeah. Always. Uh, But how do we, how do we follow you, Elliot? Well, you certainly don't follow me at second city. That's for sure. That's where all the smart people are. (laughs) You can follow me though on all the uh, social medias, at Elliot Serrano. That's with two L's, two T's, and two R's. Um, unless you follow me on TikTok, that is Elliot uh, dot Serrano. Uh, oh, my TikTok's man. starting to, to take off. Really? Yeah. You could also, of course, in addition to the uh, Caffeinated Comics podcast, I am part of the MCU Review, uh, which uh, is hosted here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network as part of the Caffeinated Comics series. As, and then, of course, the Top Men and Indiana Jones podcast, where we talk about the different, uh, well, the Indiana Jones films, starting with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark through Dial of Destiny. People, I don't know what's going on. I, I it's it, it amazes me that I am doing so little as far as generating content for it, and yet it keeps going. Shaken, not heard, a James Bond fan cast. Um, I keep getting the alerts that more people are following the Instagram. People are watching all the episodes on YouTube and on our Facebook page. So if you want to check that out, go to um, YouTube. Look for Shaken Not Heard. It's got its own URL, youtube.com forward slash C for channel forward slash Shaken Not Heard. And uh, also on uh, Facebook. So you can find all the episodes on the Facebook and YouTube page. Because uh, soon enough, there's going to be an announcement for who the next James Bond is going to be. And that's going to, we'll be ramping up uh, the discussions over there soon enough. So looking forward to that, as well as um, finally seeing Quantum Mania on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's worth seeing. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. I am lurking mostly on Twitter uh, and and Instagram, it's uh, pictures of toys when I remember to do it. But really, the Facebook page is where things are happening. Facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics, where we post all the news that's fit to geek. Uh, there was a Blue Beetle trailer that leaked today. You can find it there. There's a lot of stuff uh, happening going on. The Secret Invasion trailer is there right now. 
uh, that's the first place I go to when I see something. That's the first place I share. And uh, either way, if you're not listening to this podcast, you can subscribe to it anywhere you get podcasts. And we will talk to you next week.